Welcome everyone to BHS Live. Today is Friday, September 16th, and here we go again. The markets are down. They got hit hard, not just from Tuesday's crash, but also throughout the rest of the week. We actually saw the S&P down 5% this week. NASDAQ down 5.5%, and the Dow down 4.1%, marking the worst week since we saw the markets in June, and it's the fourth loss out of five weeks. Not good for the markets right now. My name is Todd Schoenberger. I'm your trader today. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in Sunday. Scottsdale, Arizona. And Toby, I got to say, we did our special on Tuesday about the markets crash, the markets in turmoil. It was very well received. A lot of uh, responses, favorable responses coming back from listeners. But here we are. We predicted that this was going to happen this week, the rest of the week. We figured the markets would continue to sell off. Is the selling going to stop anytime soon? Well, that is the $64 question, Todd. I, 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 though I think you have to go backwards a little bit and understand why the selling is happening. And frankly, I had this discussion discussion a couple of days ago with a Financial Times reporter, and we both came to the conclusion we're both about the same age, 63, both worked on Wall Street in the late 70s, early 80s during the inflation time. And I remember, I mean, I remember making a, a presentation to a bunch of institutional investors about how you got to buy my 12% US bonds because bonds will never go higher than 12%. And I go back three weeks later, and they were 16%. And th- then I made the same pitch. And then the Fed funds rate went to 21%. And that's just unimaginable. I could not imagine it. It didn't make any sense to me. But when you live through that, then you can imagine a lot of stuff. And I, I think what's what, one of the things that's happened here, the people who were pushing this narrative of, golly gee, the Fed is going to pivot in the first part of January because in- inflation rates are not going to stay high. And so if the market looks six months ahead, I'm going to start you know, buying stock. And no one in that generation, let's call it the Gen X and the millennial, I'm finding can imagine the fact that, no, that's not how it works. We talked about like a broken record, you know, on these podcasts about how you have to separate the sticky inflation, inflation that doesn't go away, that's yeah. long-term secular, and the, you know, the ups and downs of supply and demand. But on, on you know, on Tuesday or Wednesday, they come out uh, and sure enough, all of a sudden yeah. people are realizing that shelter costs are not going down. I mean, shelter yeah. costs are 7.1%. They're locked in for at least the next six months. And if you talk to like invitation homes, for instance, they're the people who own like, I don't know, 200,000 single family homes around the United States. Their rent uh, increases in September averaged 12.5% for new leases. Now that lease is not going to go down for a year. So you're going to be paying that elevated price. Now multiply them by tens of millions of rents. And then of course, on the on the, on the on the the housing side, we really got into this last part of the housing bubble starting in October of last year. And it peaked, you know, let's call it April of this year or May of this year when all of a sudden mortgage rates went from 1.95%, you buy it down to yeah. 3%, and now 6% right now. So this thing, there's only one way you beat inflation yeah. if you're the Federal Reserve, and you that is you have to smother the economy, and smother the economy is divided by A, we go from 3.7% unemployment rate to probably a 5 or 6%. It's defined by uh, housing uh, prices coming down. But one of the biggest ways that you break inflation, you know, which is by definition more demand than supply right. is with the reverse wealth effect. And the reverse yeah. wealth effect is, OMG, my 401k yeah. was 250 grand in yeah. uh, January and now it's 125 or going yeah. lower. And now I just put my hands on my pants and I put my wall away. Yeah. All that has to happen before we get rid of this supply demand imbalance. And to think that we would stop at 4% um, in a 6% inflation world, meaning that you're still getting free money. It's negative 2%. To think that that, that would 
what happened. It's just these people are getting their heads handed to them, Todd. They don't. Yeah, we are. You're right about that. Well, there's there's to add to that. I was looking at an old clip that we did on Fox back in 2008 when both of us were talking about how reporters weren't really focused on the housing crisis and now the depending Great Recession that we actually had that followed months later. And a big reason for that is because reporters and journalists were in Midtown Manhattan when things were going great. They're going out to Del Frisco's or having a really good time. They didn't see what was actually happening in middle America. And here we are now and you see a lot of these analysts and you're absolutely right they are young i mean there are there's just take watch the the financial news channels and you'll see how young they really are they have not lived through a high inflationary environment and then how to actually get out of it and i think that's where wall street was wrong on this and caught flat-footed where they thought oh the fed is going to have this pivot because gas prices started coming down yeah, and they're going to right and they're going to start going soft right. yeah but you're right you're right about the sticky part of it and it's obvious to me as a side note to this also yeah. what i am hearing from a lot of talking heads right now is are using that word sticky inflation that was never used before until you brought it up toby so i gotta give you a lot of credit <laughs> i think we're getting a lot of a lot of people that are listening to us these yeah. days but but you are absolutely right when you start looking at the higher inflation numbers but what is actually being hit with that higher inflation shelter energy costs not not gas but electricity natural gas you start looking at some of these costs and now we're going into a cold and brutal winter and it's not just here in the u.s us it's worldwide yeah and i think that's why we had the fedex guy coming out saying hey we're about to hit a worldwide recession well we'll talk about fedex later because there's some you know other issues affecting fedex specifically as opposed to uh, ups but i was just looking at it here's an article this is from you know i i'm so old school i cut out pieces from the barons and the wall street journal and you know other stuff i just cut it out and i look at them i turn you know i look at everyone mm-hmm. like a month back yeah because this one says u.s factories are far from recession. This is August 1st. They're yeah. just kicking butt. And now I look at the one today. It, <laughs> it says, I mean, obviously, it says Scott's miracle, miracle grow is buried in fertilizer. You know, manufacturing indexes that the Fed keeps are all yep. now turning negative, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Only six um, weeks after that article came out. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. So, you know, we've always talked about lagging indicators versus uh, future indicators, in, in, you know, economic indicators that tell the, the future. The unemployment rate is a lag indicator right shipping stocks transportation stocks those are a leading indicator yeah and you know when fed barfed up these numbers last night i mean it was it was pretty shocking i would actually look in the united states much more to ups because I, I think most people don't know my friend karen feinerman who's on a uh, fast money she loves yeah. fedex we, we get in this argument all the time mm-hmm. and i just sent her a text last night i said karen how's it gonna feel being down 25 percent in your largest position yeah wow. she, she didn't answer me back todd i don't know why um, <laughs> well fedex but, down for the for the listeners down 23% this week off 38% year to date. So and it's not just FedEx, it's also UPS that got hit. We're going to talk about Amazon later on in the show as well, yeah. but Amazon also took a hit from all of this. But the thing about it is that we've been talking about this for weeks now, Toby. We talked about how online shopping is down. We talked about the warning sign with Amazon just last week where yeah. they're not even going to hit 10% growth in their online sales. When you see numbers like that, the FedEx number, UPS number, none of this should be a, a big surprise but for some reason everybody's caught flat-footed i don't understand yeah. it. again i if you I, I look at leading indicators not lagging indicators and the leading mm-hmm. indicators have been saying for a few quarters we're starting with the fed funds futures now have are 
the 40% are pricing in 100 basis points, 1% next week. That, yeah. was, zero, that was zero a week ago. I know. Um, I mean, the, 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 you know, the Fed fund futures is uh, you know, been, it's pretty accurate. I would just go back to say, you know, let's talk to an investor, someone who's worried about their 401k, so on and so forth. The money that we manage for people is for people who are over 60 years old, mostly. And they already got a lot of money. They don't want to lose any money. So I'm a little more cautious than, than others. But we're good at the macroeconomics. And the macroeconomics say, that you can't have 12 and a half years of one-way solid stock market gains, which then, of course, unleashes, hey, honey, let's buy that piano. Let's, you know, take that trip. Let's go out to the fancy restaurant. You know, you feel flush. Yeah. And when you start to not feel flush, I, I had a little dental work done today, and uh, Dina, my favorite dental hygienist, I was saying, if I have to, like, go in and get all this gum stuff done and so on and so forth, I can write a check for 6500 bucks. I want to kill myself, but I'll write the check for 6500 <laughs> for the freaking work. But it said, how many Americans can write a $6,500 check uh, and, and not have it affected or they're going to have to put it on credit card? Well, the other thing we've been looking at is credit card balances. Shockingly today, credit card balances are up one the largest year over year basically in recent history. Well, why is that? Um, obviously, because their daily cost of living has gotten higher than their monthly income after yep. tax, after FICA, after all the deductions, and they're borrowing money. Well, that can only last so long. We're going to have a recession. The recession light idea that we sort of, I talked about over, you know, last couple of months uh, in that, that employment could perhaps, you know, only top out at maybe unemployment like four and a half or 5%. That, that's not in the cards. Mm-hmm. And so, so if I'm an investor, we're in 70% in cash. We've been in there for, for a while. We, we, we've done extremely well with energy stocks. We sold a lot of our stuff into that big June spike because when a, a natural gas trust goes up 180% in three weeks, 180%. You sell that stuff. That doesn't happen. That's 20 years of stock market gains in, you know, four months. Come on. So now we're sitting in cash. And one of the great things about cash is, you know, it is Warren Buffett's, man. When people are greedy, I sell. And when people are scared to death and we see the puke point hit, which is a, a yeah. fixed, you know, then I want to be a buyer because there's going to be, you know, the United States is not going out of business to the point of we thought, you know, people said, well, we got rid of all those crazy SPACs. Now they're all blown up. And then we got rid of all those crazy valuations on software and, you know, Pelotons and all the beneficiaries of the pandemic. So therefore, you know, the market is bottom. But yeah. what, they're, what they're missing is we haven't got to the Q3 earnings numbers and the markdowns. We haven't got to the analysts taking their numbers down, which really just started this week. Right. We haven't gotten to the point that the Fed, you know, does not change its rhetoric whatsoever and are being essentially Paul Volcker 2.0. We're going to do yeah. whatever we have to do for as long as we have to until we get inflation down to two percent which by the way i think they'll move the goalposts to like two and a half percent but yeah that all has to happen and you know the only times we haven't had a recession when the fed is moving rates is when the economy was still growing they were raising rates into a growing economy yeah just like in europe now which by the way 25 percent of european excuse me 25 percent of, of uh s&p 500 profits come from europe and the uk when you add the uk in it's, it's another four percent so 30 percent of their profits come from the parts of the world that are, we looked i looked at my natural gas bill for a reasonably sized home in Scottsdale and it was 38 bucks. In the winter it jumps up to 58 bucks. In uh-huh. the UK, if you have a $250 because their energy has always been more expensive anyway, $250 a month utility bill, some of them are getting bills for $2,500. How about if you run yeah. a pub? You're already getting inflation priced right. out, then you have a <laughs> pandemic and now your energy bill is you know $6,000. All of right. that factors together, Todd, and you can't take one data point. you got to put all the, the forward 
Harvard leading indicator data points together. And yeah. it says that the when the Fed snuffs our the U.S. economy, oh, by the way, the ECB is doing the same thing. And the university, you know, the, the uh, Central Bank of the United Kingdom doing the same thing. Canada, yeah. same thing. Can you imagine yeah. in Canada? In Toronto, the average home is up 200% in the last two and a half years. And they have variable rate mortgages. They don't have any fixed rate mortgages. That mortgage you took on for the million dollar house in Toronto that used to be $500,000, your mortgage is now up to 8%. When you took the mortgage out, it was one and a half percent. Yep. You don't think they're going to be in a recession? I yeah, mean, but it's, it's worldwide. It's obviously yeah. worldwide. But I think what catches, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. When you look at the numbers and you start looking at their forward guidance and, and you're looking at indicators going forward, you're right. That's spot on. What I like to look at is really hearing about sentiment. I want to hear what CEOs have to say. The FedEx CEO, and you're absolutely right, the numbers were awful yesterday. But here, the CEO is even publicly coming out and he's as pessimistic as they're, as he's getting. I mean, yeah. he's just took on a job a few months ago. And when you when you are that pessimistic as a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and he's not the only one, when you start looking and hearing what these guys have to say, these leaders, that trickles down across the board, middle management, all the way down to somebody that's working in a low level position. And therefore, then you start thinking, oh my goodness, we are really definitely headed into a recession. And no. it's likely going to be bad. This well, isn't going to be a soft landing. Yeah. We're not going to have anything like that. Our listeners need to be prepared for what's going to be yeah, pretty. Means, I'm not, I don't want to use the word apocalyptic, but it's going to get no, ugly. Well, it's going. It's, it's going. It's getting ugly already. And remember, the fastest and biggest way to slow down spending is to raise interest rates to make the stock market go down 30, 40 percent. That's part of the toolkit they talk about. They just never use that term, the negative wealth effect. But let me go to FedEx for a second because it's interesting versus UPS. Remember, FedEx bought TNT. It's a, it was a big European uh, That's right. package delivery, and they've totally screwed that up. Yeah. Uh, on the call last night, FedEx is not in a high profit margin business, but typically they make five to six percent net profit margin. Uh -huh. They're down to one percent. Now that's where all the you know the hullabaloo really should be at. Well, a number of things. Yeah, they have gasoline you know subsidies when you ship, but the gas prices were rising faster than they could add the subsidies to them. Right. Right. Also, FedEx mostly contracts the United States with independent contractors. All those FedEx trucks you see aren't owned by FedEx. Uh, they're owned by a local distributor who gets a piece of the, that revenue and he hires the people and he buys the gas and the vehicles, et cetera. UPS is different. UPS is 100% integrated network. They're Europe. There's integrated with the United States. And, and FedEx also has a lot of business in China, which UPS has none. And, you know, obviously China with the lockdowns has been. So I'm not using FedEx so much as for the United States, but on a global standpoint, they are, I think, a good leading indicator of, of packages. And then Amazon coming on. I mean, Amazon's worldwide. You know, I look at, I wish Amazon would send you a, a bill, at, send you a, a notice at the end of the month about how much did your family spend on Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they but the wouldn't thing do about it Amazon, kill their business. About Amazon, and not to turn this into sports, but I yeah. guarantee you would have had most Wall Street traders, if not oh, a good portion, we'll just say a majority of them, would have looked at the fact that they had an NFL game yesterday. They spent billions of dollars to be the exclusive home to NFL games on Thursday night. That today would have been the day that you might say, oh my goodness, I'm going to got to invest in Amazon. Stock's down 3% today off the heels of what we heard from FedEx. So obviously, whatever investments that they're doing internally for their own company is complete wash because nobody really cares right now. They're yeah. only looking at the forward guidance. And when you start looking at those numbers going forward, forget about what's going on in, in sports. Overall, people are not going to be spending as much. They're they're actually changing their, their spending habits, maybe slowly, yeah. but they are. And then therefore, that's going to be a signal. That's a definite indicator that this economy is headed 
out? Uh, what we do with our cash, we don't own cash. We own short-term bond funds that mm-hmm. are basically paying us about 3% to ride this out. And yeah. 5% of what we own are the things I've talked about all summer. This oil tanker uh, uh, selling at a 2PE, paying us 22% dividends. I mean, Stevie Wonder can't screw that trade up, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and some of our other, you know, high paying where the yield is 20, 25%, we just hold it. You collect the dividends and then we actually, for a lot of people, reinvest those dividends. Yeah. So they actually want the price to go down because they're going to get a lower basis. I guarantee you, Todd, no one for the last 12 years ever got a wild excited, I just had to change metaphors here for a second, about buying a, <laughs> a 3% paying bond fund. But you know what's really exciting? Is when instead of owning a NASDAQ QQQ that's down almost 40%, yeah. you're up 43% more than those boneheads right. with the 3% bond, right? That, that expires every six-month bond. So it turns out you yeah. don't have any. So there's a time for you know planting seeds. There's a time for harvesting seeds. There's a time for making the bread. And there's a time for storing the bread. And when we get, I think we talked about, what are we going to get, 75 basis points or 100 basis points? It doesn't matter. We The Fed you know, has to get their Fed funds rate, rate that the banks borrow money from them, et cetera, that sets yeah. all the other rate, the two-year, the five-year, the 10-year, the 30-year. Bonds are down 24% this year. If you bought a long-term bond, can you imagine if you're a pension fund manager and you have a bogey that you need to have for your pension fund so you can pay your you know, 15,000 people on a pension plan? And for 12 years, really for more than that, I mean, we had a bond uh, bull market ever since 1984. Mm-hmm. Bonds have always gone up in value. Yeah. So you were always the smartest guy in the block. And you had 40% of your money in bonds and 60% in equities. And when your equities went down, those bonds mm-hmm. went up because interest rates were going to be cut. Yep. Now we're the complete opposite. We're getting into a, 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 a certain recession. The economy is slowing by any way you want to manage it in real time. And the Fed is raising rates. Now they've only done that four times. Yeah. Every time, including this time, we've had a recession. There's not, you know, this time is no different than any other times. We have a different types of economies. But we also have, I, I'm trying to get the hold of people that, do you realize that 5,000 people, you know, my age are turning 65 every day for the next yeah. eight years? Yeah. Uh, uh, 15, I mean, 15,000 total, or it's 10,000 turning 65, 5,000 turning 70. On the other hand, we don't, we have, we, we have 11 million jobs with 5.6 million available, but that's probably malarkey. I think, that, I think that's a way lower number. But all the demographics, the psychographics, the reverse wealth effect, I could give you 14 different data points that say the only way we get out of inflation like this, the sticky inflation, is to yep. over the next six months raise the Fed funds rate to about 5% or higher. And as stuff, you know, it's called base effects. The stuff that was a year ago was here. And a year later, if it goes up, that's not good. That's sticky. But some of the stuff goes down. And slowly but surely, the Fed finally says, okay, we're done. And when yep. they say we're done, then it's safe to be in cyclical stocks. It's safe to be in, you know, some of the higher end stocks, but people just fell in this idea that all I had to do is buy Microsoft and Amazon and Adobe and big mega tech stocks, Apple. And it worked for freaking 20 years, 22 yeah. years. You got to lose well, that muscle. You know, well, I got to say, you're absolutely right with all of those comments. I'm actually right now when I start looking at the pending recession, you have GE coming out there warning. A lot of the Wall Street banks are obviously warning. Uh, you already saw job cuts coming out of Goldman Sachs this week. Next week, though, 
with the Fed meeting. It is a two-day meeting. Listeners should know that. But because of the uncertainty, whether it's going to be 75 basis points or a full 100 basis points, that uncertainty is not good for Wall Street. You will see this selling continue Monday, Tuesday, and then we're going to get that announcement at 2 o'clock on, on Wednesday, and we'll see what the Fed yeah. chooses to do with, with interest uh, rates. I, I would just add one thing, Todd. And again, this Tell is me. what I learned from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 210s, you know, 40 years. In a bear market, big hedge funds, trillions and trillions of dollars of hedge funds will short stocks. They'll short the most expensive stock because if they go down, they're making money. Yeah. So if there's any, you know, good surprise, whatever, you're going to see a thousand point Dow rally. You're going to see a 300 pound. You have bear market rallies for a reason. Right. If I'm short, what's the stuff that we're short, we do with options. We don't actually short the stocks because I don't have the balls to do that. Dude, when you borrowed these stocks and then you sold them, that's what short selling is. The only way you make a profit is if you buy them back cheap than the, you know, what you borrowed them for. Right. So there's forced buying that happens many times when in a bear market, when news is just not quite as bad as people thought. Yeah. So you're going to see these thousand point, you're going to see these 1500 point rallies and you use those rallies to yeah. you know build cash because yeah. they're going to happen sure as heck as the right side of my face is still <laughs> stuck with Novocaine. You still look like Brad Pitt. It's awesome. Well, listen, let's leave it at that, Toby. I got to yeah. say, because we're coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about further uh, a little bit more about this FedEx warning, but also the repercussions of this, the ancillary stocks, the Amazons that are out there, the other retailers that have a big online presence. Is now the time to maybe jump ship? or maybe you should buy in. We're also going to talk about real estate. We just got a report today. Nearly a third of all real estate transactions right now are all cash deals. I'm wondering if this is pricing out everybody uh, that's uh, maybe in middle America, but we'll get into that a little bit more after the break. Please stay with us. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Knight. Through a roller coaster journey, of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis, from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss, is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.
Berger. I am joined by Toby Smith. And Toby, we were just talking. Uh, we're, we're actually reading some uh, some listener emails that people are sending us some comments. So one uh, listener actually wants to know what the bottom is going to really look like here. I mean, once yeah. we do hit bottom, what should we? What should the retail investor expect? Well, Todd, always. I mean, you know, you know this from doing this for a long time. The actual absolute bottom of a stock market. You see it three ways. Number one, remember, there's people who have to put money to work every day. They're pension mm-hmm. funders or they run mutual funds. I had the number one performing mutual fund in like, in like 2002 uh, called the Changeway Fund. And I was hired to run this money for a, a mutual fund company. And I was the number one because we we picked a few stocks and then we went to cash. Yeah. And the, the, the trustees called me and says, Toby, how come you have so much cash? I says, well, I don't know if you're aware, but the market's going to shit. Why do I want to <laughs> buy any stocks? It says, well, you have to be in cash. You can only have 5% cash, right? So the yeah. people who have to put cash out, there's sort of three ways I look at it. Number one, where are mutual fund dollars going? Are they going in or are they going out? And right now they're going out. Right. Uh, and what you want to see is a, I mean, a, a world record. Did I say record? That's my, that's you my, did, you did. Uh, that's yeah. my, that's my, <laughs> a world record. Um, yeah. You want to see a high of redemptions. So you just, uh, we load up the QQQ and the SPY, you know, the index funds. Because remember, the index funds, I've talked about this a lot so people understand the concept of the marginal stock buyer. The marginal stock buyer is the person who sets the price for a stock. Because what marginal buyer means is their price insensitive. When I'm an index fund and I have to have my fund have a market cap weighting, I need to own 8.9% of Apple as long as its market cap is, you know, whatever it is. So I every day when I get new money in, I put money in Apple because I have to because I don't care about the price. I need I care about keeping the market cap on my index uh, in, in concert with what it's advertised. Well, the reverse of that is when people are redeeming and there's more money coming out than coming in, the money gets sold at the same level. If Apple's your number one by market cap, you sell more Apple than anything else. So the one, one of the things I look from the bottom is the index redemptions. And as we get to up to a high level, in that now you're starting to say people are throwing the towel. The second thing you know is, is everybody know you know or play golf with or whatever socialize with are all pissed off and angry and they're mad at their broker and they're saying, you know, how come they didn't tell me? Uh, how come the, you know they didn't call me? Now you know, screw it, just get me the f out. And so you'll see that capitulation selling. Yeah. And that's when you see volumes really go. We've had some bad days, but the volumes. Remember, this is September. This is the worst month of the year for stocks anyway. Um, True. But it's it's when you see very high unusual volume, redemptions are, are significant, you know, down 10%, 15% of the money. And then you have the VIX. The VIX measures how much it costs to buy insurance to protect your, your uh, stocks. Even on the worst day we had on Tuesday, the VIX was 28. In a normal bottom a capitulation, the VIX is 40 or more. VIX right. was 45 on April 6, 2020, when we had the complete pandemic meltdown. So yeah. you, we want to see those, we see, want to see those three things. And then the fourth thing you just want to see is that everybody is negative. Everybody's bearish. Uh, and, and you know, we have the AAII, uh, American Association of Individual Investors, and that's been the sort of the best way to see where retail investors were. But here's right. the thing. The AAII started in 1988. They weren't there in 1982, brother. They weren't there in 1979. <laughs> and so well, we don't really know know what it, a real capitulation after a 12-month run where everybody yeah. thinks they're the smartest person in the world. And all of a sudden, 
sudden, their uh, champagne dreams have turned into apple cider. And, uh, you know, that's when you know you have a bottom. And then what are you yeah. going to do? You're, then you're going to buy the best growth stocks. Because the final part of this equation is it, it ain't going to end until the Fed says, okay, we're finally done. And which is going to be a long time from now. It's not going to be. It's not. I mean, yeah. Let's not but also soon. forget, Todd, that we just started. Uh, the Fed did. I, I like to say I work for the Fed. The Fed just actually started stop buying mortgage-backed securities. They, they bought almost one and a half trillion of them, which is another way, you know, quantitative easing this kept interest rates so low. Who's going to buy these mini bonds when interest rates are going up, which means the bonds are going to go down in value, particularly if they're fixed rate uh, mortgages, which 95% of mortgages are in the United States. Oh my gosh, we haven't even seen that yet. No one has ever done this. They're, sell, they're, they're now selling $95 billion a, a month in mini bonds and or they're not renewing. They're just letting them you know, run out and then they're keeping the cash on the balance sheet. So there's a lot more pain to come here because of all those things above. But then the big thing's going to be when the analysts stop writing down their estimates for earnings per share. And I guarantee you in this fourth quarter, when we talk about the third quarter earnings, yeah. and just like the FedEx guy barfed up, just like Amazon's coming clean, when you start to see the uh, players that you know have been the pillars saying, hey, I mean, for instance, I got a report from our a Chinese source that we use that the Apple uh, bill for the new phones is going really well for the really expensive ones. But for the ones that they sell the most of, they're down 35% on order. And when a and Apple comes out and says, well, since 58% uh, of our sales are iPhones and, um, and we're not getting that many orders, then that's the last part of the puzzle where the leading generals say, all right, the uh, uh, recession's hitting us hard. So that's Apple, that's Microsoft, that's Google, you know, that's Tesla, the, the, the leading guys for the lat for the 10-year, 11-year run. Then you got a bottom and you can only take advantage of it if you have cash. And as I say, we're just holding cash in short term, um, six-month T-bills, uh, and we're we're making three percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking on the FedEx, they they actually came out. They said Q1 earnings are going to be thirty three percent below the average an analyst estimate. Yes. Uh, that's what Roy sent the stock down twenty three percent today. Actually, hit a fifty two week low today. Uh, so that selling pressure is likely to, going to continue um, once uh, you get retail investors start reading their these newspapers over the weekend. Now, the question remains though is that you start looking at the ancillary companies, the the retailers that rely on on online shopping, their online shopping bids, including obviously mailing out these packages that they that people are buying. Um, would you think about investing in retailers at this point? I mean, Amazon down 25% year to date off 3% today off of this. I don't know. That seems like a great opening though if you're a long-term investor. Well, Amazon is very unique, obviously, because you have to look at their cloud business, the AWS, and many sober analysts value it at $900 billion. Mm -hmm. So that's half of what Amazon is today. Yeah. If they were, if they were to split that off, uh, that would be a very intriguing play. But even even in, in AWS is saying, well, here's what happened. You know, I used to have a CEO. CEO would come and say, tell me, we need to cut expenses 20%. I don't care how you do it. Just freaking do it. Yes, sir. Okay, managers who work for me, we need to cut our expenses 20%. I don't care how you do it, but get it done. And one of the things you would go to is, is look at our AWS bill. I mean, look at our cloud bill. How do we get that to be a lower price? And there's some ways to do yeah. it. Um, you know, for instance, IBM has a really good uh, set 
set up for these mixed clouds where you have three, three or four different public clouds that are in your system. I can buy IBM here with a 7% dividend quote because they've been cast aside and they have a solution and nobody gets rid of their IBM infrastructure. I have a good friend who's a big uh, muckety-muck there and they say they're getting their phone calls returned. On the other side, you look at the software as a service, the big flyers who've never made a profit. You yeah. still can't touch them over the 10-foot pole. I mean, Twilio, I love I love Twilio. You know that when you you know dial into your broker or Amazon and they send you a, a little text that says, give me the number to make sure it's yeah. you. That's yeah. Twilio. They, they dominate and, and they've been secular growth for 30 years. I mean, we use it. There's hardly anybody else you can use other than Ring Central. But man, they're just like off 11% because, you know, they finally came to the conclusion, you know, this growing fast and losing $500 million a year. Yeah. You've been around a money sometime on that. You can only do so much. Um, so that's one side of void. Okay. But what, the other thing, Todd, is, you know, when the market goes down, almost all stocks go down, particularly growth stocks, because they're all in indexes. And those S&P 100 and those QQQs, when people are pulling money out, the, the they're being sold. They're going to sell off and they're going to keep... All of them are going to go down on somewhat of the percentage that they're in those indexes. So it's yeah. not like you can say, yeah, tech stocks suck, but I'm going to stay with Amazon. If tech stocks suck, Amazon's going down just as much as everybody else. And mm-hmm. and that's simply because of redemptions, people going to cash. And, uh, you know, if, if if I used to have to buy, I mean, for instance, here's the other thing. One of the big things for the last five, six years has been stock buybacks. And one of the rules we've always followed is we, on a big uh, caps t- uh, tech stock, we never want to own one that doesn't buy their stock back. That's why we've owned Apple for so many years. But, right. But now the stock buybacks are getting pulled back because people have much cash other than Apple. I mean, you know, three hundred. Right. Well, that's different. Yeah. Right. Um, you're going to see much less stock buybacks when you have less stock buybacks. Remember, that's the in some days that is the marginal buyer. They're the price insensitive buyer for some of these yeah. uh, big stocks. So it all folds down like a tent that just got blown out of the, you know the water and uh-huh. it, 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 it it circles, it circles, it circles. It's like draining water out of a bath tub to mix metaphors and then <laughs> and then at some point in time everybody who has to sell has sold every people who person who doesn't want to sell and hasn't sold hasn't sold so you have essentially a seller's strike and yeah. when when new money comes in and there's n- there's no you know automatic bid every time you make you make an offer then we bottom it. I can't yeah. tell you when that is Todd, but I can tell you right now it's not now. It's not now, but I will say on that retail side, I, and I look at Amazon. I am a a big fan of Amazon, and I think that this is a great entry point. I mean, especially on days like today. Look, the stock's going to have it's going to continue to have its ups and downs. Um, that goes with any stock, obviously. Yeah. But it's one of those companies that's not going away. They can continue to to evolve and and they continue to to really look at their they utilize Amazon as really more of a store for entrepreneurs and I love that about them so I'm going yeah. to I'm going to say that it's a buy now when I look at other companies like Walmart's only down eight percent this year year to date yeah. that's a I I think they really did well on the inventory side yeah I always like to go back to to when oil was at 140 plus a barrel is 2008 and there was this airline you may have heard of it Southwest Airlines that actually yeah, did very, very well. But the reason why they did so well is because they really had forecasted higher oil. So they were purchasing oil futures at an earlier date yeah. and they did well because they weren't hit with that overhead cost that a lot of the other airlines were. And they did well, their stock did well. I see Walmart as being like the Southwest. They really, Southwest Airlines yeah. are now currently because I think they really looked at potential inventory issues. They took control of it. Whereas their, their, um, their opposite is Target, which obviously has huge inventory con- 
uh, problems. We've talked about that quite a bit, actually, on this show. And and it's a reason why their stock's down 30% year to date. That's one company I'd stay away from. But from a from a real brick and mortar type of operation, I do think Walmart is a winner out there. If that's something you want to dip your yeah. toe into. I, I it's just a matter you. of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, Todd, Sim- simply because, remember, the dynamic, going back to my $5,000 tooth extraction, uh, <laughs> the people, uh, upper middle class people, and all of a sudden said, holy mackerel, we're going, I'm going to Walmart and I'm going to buy, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to get eggs for $2.25 a cart, not $4.25, you know, all, so, yeah. so the upper middle class, it was, you know, it's always been sort of a, a middle class, lower middle class niche, but all of a sudden the uh, Range Rovers are pulling into the parking lot and the guy with 12 kids like you uh, runs out and, <laughs> and he says, all right, kids, you get one, you know, toy, you get one dessert and they all pile in and they're going to save a hundred bucks on their groceries and back to school and yada, yada. So yeah, right. there's been a secular shift that way. I mean, look at Costco. I mean, we've known it for a long time. Costco is in the business of selling memberships. Their business model is they make about 89% of their profits on their membership. So which they raise every two years, like clockwork, you know what happens when they raise, uh, but less than one half of 1% of people get rid of their membership unless they die. Uh, yeah. And so, so that business model rocks and rolls. So, uh, you know, that's, that's one you can hold now. Because yeah. People, I again, Costco, are, I Costco yeah, reports earnings next week too. Yes, they so do. that's going to be something I know we'll be talking about on next week's show yeah. as well. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, you take a look at that. Well, let's switch gears a little bit now. Let's talk about real estate. Uh, report yeah. came out today, talked about how in uh, the month of July, we actually had one third of all homes purchased in the United States were purchased as all cash buys. And you know, you start looking at interest rates, obviously, you start thinking about uh, how now we have the 30-year mortgage is actually just over 6 percent, a number we have not seen since 2008 when we had the housing crisis. But you start yeah. looking at some of these numbers here. I mean, what, what caught my eye was when I start seeing some of these mortgages, you know, three, uh, take for example, Freddie Mac was talking about this today, $390,000 home. If you put 20% down, this is one year ago, yeah. when the average interest rate on a 30-year mortgage was two spot eight six percent your monthly mortgage payment was $1,292. If you do the same exact thing, Thing today, you're looking at a monthly mortgage payment of $1,875, $583 more per month. And that's somebody that's getting a mortgage right now. So my question for you, Toby, is that do you think now people are being priced out of the market? Because it's obvious the ones that have the cash are the only ones that are buying the real estate. Yeah, well, two or three dynamics here. Number one, we still have a trillion dollar industry in the United States, uh, Invitation Homes being one of the biggest ones, who are buying single family homes and they're for rental. Uh, and they have cash. So they buy for cash. So probably 30% of those sales in the last t- uh, the 40 days were to the, there's huge companies. I mean, there's literally trillions of dollars, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have the people still on the East Coast, West Coast, and you know maybe some parts of the Midwest that are saying, screw it, I'm getting out of here. And I'm going you know, to sell my uh, $5 million apartment in San Francisco. And I'm going to mo- move to Scottsdale and for a million bucks, get a 2,400 square foot house and yeah. have four million bucks in the bank after I pay my or three million after I pay my capital gains. Right. That's a lot of what we're seeing. The number that blew me away though was that uh, 34 or 35% of all contracts signed in the last 180 days have been canceled for, for purchases. Yeah. I have never seen that. And that's where people said, OMG, honey, we our bid got accepted. It's like buyer's remorse. Dude, if we buy this thing and we close on it, we're going to be down 20% the day we, you know, close escrow. And oh, by the way, we borrowed a sh- 
shit ton of money, like 80%. And if you borrowed something and it goes down 20%, you borrowed 80%, your equity is down 40%. So, so there's, I mean, you know, these, I think goes in a cycle, but unless you had cash and you, you know, also those cash home sales top, the asking price, those sales mostly were 20 to 25% under the asking price Mm -hmm. because the person walked in with cash and could close and had leverage and could bargain. So that's one of the reasons why so many ones that closed were cash because they had cash. They didn't have financing and they were buying a cheaper house. I bet in 80% of the uh, cases. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're right about that. Well, well, there only remains to be seen. I mean, we've talked about real estate stocks before. I don't believe now is the time to be investing in real estate stocks, but especially when I start seeing those in middle America that probably somebody trying to, they're young, they're trying to think of a starter home. It's just not going to work out for them. But you are absolutely right. I do think that people from the East and West Coast, they have these high valued homes are selling them. They have a bucket of cash, then they can move to a a lower price market, you know, a um, a Buffalo or somewhere like that. They're easily able to buy a home. Here's my my anecdote. You know, at at 63 now, I have like three sets of friends. California, where I grew up, Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C. There we go. Arizona. All right. So I'm on a text with a group of three different people. Let's call it 25 people all in, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. 20 of those 25 people, including ourselves, sold their house in D.C., moved to Arizona, cut their cost of living 50%. And almost all the people who sold in the last two years then moved to North Carolina, Arizona, Texas, and owned their stuff for cash. So yeah. in that little anecdote, these are upper middle class folks, but yeah. you know, these aren't billionaires. When you sell your house for $5 million in California, you pay the capital gains rate of what your ordinary income rate is in the taxes. It's bizarre, right? Who cares? You get right. cash money. And now a lot of our investors at Transformity Research, by the way, I, I, I never mentioned our company. We get three million, five million in, and, and we generate about a million dollars for them in cash flow, both trading and, and dividends. And they're the happiest people. I, and they, the, the, their money keeps going up in value while the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. Um, and then they own their home, so that, you know their cost of living is their their tax and their for me the wine bill, which is you know pretty extensive. Um, and uh, <laughs> and they're living large. And that's there's you know there's still 8.5 million American households that have more than a million dollar net worth. Million dollar value house, yeah. and when you sell those things, man, you're you know you're you're living large now that it, it, you were living large. So prices started you know going up, but prices are going to start coming down, Todd, because that's what happens in recession. That is right. Well, you know, to add on to the transformity research for those listeners, you. if you go if you go and you read the description of each one of these podcasts, you will see a direct link to transformityresearch.com, and I do recommend clicking on it and seeing what Toby has to offer. Well, we also yeah. It's it's a business company, and, and we 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 sell research and advice. Yeah. Buy this, sell this to do-it-yourself investors. And then our our wealth management is mostly friends, family, and uh, old subscribers. You said, "You look at man, you made me a pot of money. I'm like 68, 70. I don't want to do this anymore. And will you do this yeah. for me? Sure. So nice. So very anyway, nice. well, we're, I mean, we're based happy. Off... My blood pressure's low. Um, <laughs> well, based off the feedback, you. based off the feedback we've been getting off of these shows, I gotta say, everybody's in love with you. So uh, they Beautiful. they definitely yeah. Yeah, and you know, I keep trying to tell them that you have a face for radio, but you know, it's not going very well. So. <laughs> no doubt. Well, listen, coming up after the break, Toby and I are going to tell buy you sell. how to make some money. It's our buy, hold, sell prediction. So please stay with us.
Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Knight. Through a roller coaster journey of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis, from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss, is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to BHS Live. It's time to make some money. Toby, what's your buy, hold, sell this week? Well, I'll tell you, Todd, even in a recession, people like to bolt. And there is a public company called Bolera, and the ticker symbol, I believe, is B-O-W-L. They uh, love it. B-O-W-L. There's another one that I like, which is car wash. It's the same thing. You still get your car wash, but bowling, who doesn't love to bowl? And when you can go down there for 30 bucks and get some cold beers and throw some bowling balls, that's pretty cheap entertainment. And right now, when people are trading down from spending, you know, 150 bucks to bring the family to, you know, go to a McDonald's, geez, bowling is happening. So we, we like them. They actually had a, a, a nice gain. They reported really good numbers. And that's a, like a safe and steady eddy company. And the way they grow is what I used to do years ago when we used to call on companies that were the, the you know, that was a family business and the dad was getting ready to retire. And the kids, you know, since he's so successful, went to big Ivy League schools and they said, you know, dad, I love you, but I don't want to take over the bowling alley. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing in the car wash business. The the big car wash company just IPO'd. They, they're buying them from the families and then yep. they integrate them and they upgrade them and, you know, they manage them like a real business uh, and they they stop the 20% of cash going out the back door that, you know, just shockingly happens when you have a cash business. Uh, yeah. So I, I I like Bolero. I'll tell you the one that- Let, let, me, let me add to yeah. that real quick. So in Disney World, they have a bowling place called Splitsville. And oh, a yeah. lot of these entrepreneurs went to Splitsville and they're trying to end 
emulate that model. And it's great. They're clean. They're they're classy. Everybody. I mean, it used to be you'd have the, the you know the, the bartender you know with five teeth, right. you know two in a, two in his mouth, three in his pocket, you know yeah. serving you you know but draft Budweiser that's probably from a line that hasn't been cleaned in twenty years. You know they're they're just stale. Now now they're really nice. They're high end, great food, great atmosphere. There's a number of these places. Bolero I know is one of those, and they're also adding that axe throwing. That's something that um that a lot yes. of these places are doing. Those are fantastic. It's great for families, and the people are willing to pay a premium to go to a clean place that's nice. It's great family fun. Highly recommend that stock. That's a bring really a, good pick of yours. Bring a picture of your ex-wife and put her up there on the <laughs> axe. Saying she's throwing axe. Oh my god! I'm going to court now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. it. Oh, my God. All right. I'll tell you what. I'm holding. And I am holding. You know, we we talked about the uh, product tankers that that move oil all over and move diesel all over. over. So um, uh, TRMD is a ticker symbol I recommended a while ago. And they just hit a 52-week high called TORM. The reason what's happening is, is remember, there's this December 2nd, essentially, sanction on Russian oil around the world. Well, guess what? Russia's shipping more oil than you've ever seen. And every freaking shipping line that ships oil and diesel fuel which is another big issue for Russia. They're booked solid all the way through those dates. They're getting 150% higher rates to ship that stuff. And they're shipping from a long way because they're going from Russia to China or they're, they're going from Russia to Venezuela, you know, yada, yada, yada. So hold those guys. And then, uh, you know, the, I'm telling you what I'm going to sell is, is GE. Mm. GE hasn't been able to figure out anything about anything for years. I mean, you, you everybody thought that, you know, Uncle Jack was the smartest guy in the world, but yeah. they're, they're now splitting off another part of the business, the healthcare business, which is actually a pretty good deal. They can't get out of their way. They have mm-hmm. huge fixed costs. Their pension costs are still, they're, I don't know, six and a half billion dollars underwater. Yeah. And that's before, you know, the stock market going down this year and bonds yeah. going down. So I just think GE, we've done well when companies, when they split into different divisions and we sort of sell off the division we don't like and we keep the division. There's no division at GE I like. Even the freaking, you know, engines, jet engines, how can you screw that up? Well, they pretty much screwed it up. So yeah, you know, if you have it, sell it. Uh, it's it's just a, still a conglomeration of sort of low growth, unattractive, high fixed cost businesses. I don't want. Yeah, and GE also warned about supply chain challenges that they're experiencing. Oh, yeah. still to this day, they have yet to figure it out. That's uh, that's a signal to me that they have weak management. If that's the case, weak leadership is not going to bode well for a company of their caliber, um, especially being as large as they are. So yeah, that's probably a good one to sell right now. I'm going to tell you what my buy is this week. It's going to be Please McDonald's. Do. McDonald's. I love the CEO. Chris Kamzinski calls out the Chicago, uh, calls out about the crime in Chicago that's taking place. I love CEOs that are not afraid to step in it because here's a guy that's coming out. He's saying, look, this is impacting hiring. We can't bring people into Chicago. We can't hire them for, for yeah. McDonald's HQ because of the high crime. Do something about it, Chicago. You rarely have CEOs of big companies, of any company really, coming out and talking about public policy. They rarely say anything like that because they don't want to get get trapped into something. This guy's not afraid to say it. The stock's only down 5% year to date. And also when you look at recession, McDonald's always does well in a recession because they have that dollar menu. People go out there 
and they buy it, that's one of those companies you definitely want to be thinking of buying. Now you got me hungry for a freaking chicken, spicy chicken sandwich. I'm there you go. That. Yeah, get those fries. They still have the best fries. No around. fries. No I fries. Okay, forget the fries. You can't, you can't be this good looking and eat carbohydrates, okay? Oh, there you go. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. <laughs> My hold is going to be Goldman Sachs. Now, Goldman is running into a little bit of a pickle right now with their market savings accounts. Now you have regulators that are stepping in saying, oh, really? that, oh yeah, yeah. They were coming in there. They were saying, you know what? Maybe you guys are doing things, maybe not the right way to do it for a traditional bank. And especially for the CEO there, Solomon, David Solomon's looking to actually not only offer credit cards, he's also yeah. looking to offer checking accounts. So this just really creates more of a challenge. But the stock's down a little bit well, like of 14% uh, year today. Uh, well, it's bad? not bad. It's not bad. It's a checks and balances. But for a company like Goldman Part that is pun. used to just moving, yeah, right, moving in their own, at their own pace in their own speed, whenever you have regulatory challenges and hurdles that you need uh, okay. to worry about, it can slow them up. That's the thing. But Goldman is Goldman Sachs. And I got to tell you, that's one of those companies you just, you, if you're going to invest in any Wall Street bank, you can't go wrong with Goldman Sachs. That's the way I Well, I, I would be more like Warren Buffett, my friend. I would wait till the caca hits the fan because okay. they're, they're, they're cutting employees by the group. And they when are. the stock market goes down, investment banks go down. They don't go up in value. Uh, that's true. That's a fact. But at the bottom, they're great to buy because uh, particularly if they have like Goldman, they have a bank. So they have a fixed cost of funds. And when the economy turns up, they start getting merger and acquisition and all that stuff. So that's, that's my true. Opinion. Absolutely right about that. I mean, when I look at Goldman, I love that market savings account. It pays right now 1.9%. It's only yeah. going to go higher next week after the Fed hikes rate. Um, it's the highest out there right now, actually. So from an online savings account feature, uh, and they make it so easy to use. I mean, it's such, yeah, such a great, app, great I, service. I love the app. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Very, very user friendly. No doubt about that. Okay. My sell of the week. Got to be Uber. Stock down 24% year to date. They get hacked again. They're talking about being hacked. They were hacked in 2016. They had 57 million people actually had their personal data, personal information was was hacked away. And and they still yet to, yet to um, I mean, I think they're they gave everybody a, a check yeah, for like 15 bucks or something. I mean, yeah. now they're hacked again. And you know, Uber has everything. They have your credit card information. They have um, well, obviously your uh, where you go, where you live. They have where you live. They track everything. Yeah, they have everything. And and that's information that is in very sensitive, very private. Um, that's one of those companies that they got hit today. They're going to continue to get hit. And especially if you do go into recession, I don't know how many people are going to be able to afford a $30 uh, ride for going five miles. It just doesn't yeah, add dude, up. So uh, dude, Uber, I would stay away from it. Uber to the airport from our house three, you know, everything else was 24 bucks. The last yeah. time we did it, it was $76. Jeez, that's crazy. And I, I'm saying for $76, man, I, I, you know, I want somebody to hug me or something. I mean, that was just ridiculous. <laughs> well, Kelly, Kelly Lines on, uh, from Bloomberg, she tweeted out today that it, for her Uber ride and a um, order of quesadillas from Chipotle, both of them combined cost more than her plane ticket. I mean, there's, <laughs> and she even said, she goes, there's something wrong with this, right? Yeah. I, so it was I, a great line. It it, it it just blew me. It, it was it was sort of like I said. I said, Marjorie, listen, you go up, and I'll just Uber up to this friend's house, whatever. Oh no, it was it was down in the downtown Scottsdale. Same thing. It was eighty six bucks to go yeah, one way. I know. The, the dinner I know. was only going to cost forty. You know. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's crazy. It's nuts, right? It's absolutely nuts. So, all right. So, listen, coming up next week, we have obviously uh, the Fed's meeting, a two-day meeting. We, we've been talking about it for weeks now. Uh, but you also have a number of key data points in the real estate sector coming out. You have uh, Case Shiller. You have uh, the home sales data. So, all that is likely going to move the needle. I don't know if it's going to sway in the decision of the Fed. I'm one of no. those believers that they already know what they're going to do, unless there's something monumental that comes out. But do you have any predictions for the listeners right now, Toby? What do you think the Fed's going to do on Wednesday? Yeah, I'm such a big wuss on this because the way the Fed works is they tell you exactly what they're going to do beforehand and then they do it. They don't surprise. Mm -hmm. What they don't want to do is surprise. Mm -hmm. Now, in the in the futures market, 40% of people are betting on the 100 basis point, 1% move. Mm -hmm. My bet was that if they did 100 points, 100 basis points, that, that would scare the crap out of the market because you would be telling the market, we know stuff that you don't know. So that's why I think they will do the 75 basis points. You know, quote unquote, they're data dependent. They have to do 75 because the data is bad and, and not surprise the market. But if they really want to tank the market another 12, 15%, do 100 basis points. <laughs> like you'll, you know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm going with 100. I do believe that they will do be doing 100. I know uh, Larry Summers is actually coming out calling for 150 yeah. basis points. Yeah. I see them doing 100 right now. I just don't know if it makes sense for the Fed to do an intra meeting uh, decision in October. The Fed does not meet in October. Their next meeting is not till November. And when I and I think that that has uh, a much more negative implication on the market. Uh, so I have to suspect that they're just going to do the full 100 right now and they'll have to see what happens. Plus, don't forget, you got the midterm elections coming up. I know they're not political, but I don't buy any of that. They're still in Washington. Everything's political in Washington. Right. That's true. But if, if, if they do 100 basis points, then I don't think that helps the current administration. That's all I'm trying to say. It probably doesn't right now, but it might in maybe six, seven weeks when right. everybody goes to the voting booth. But we'll see well, what you happens. Know, Todd, so. your, your, your favorite saying, I guess we'll see. Okay, Todd. <laughs> I guess we'll I guess see what we'll happens, see. right? That's right. And you know what? All the listeners are going to see and hear about it actually next week when we get together about this and we'll talk all about uh, the Fed's decision and um, and then we'll also offer our uh, forecast obviously going into October. So listen, on behalf of Tobin Smith, I'm Todd Schoenberger. We want to thank everyone for listening to us here at BHS Live. Have a fantastic weekend. Again, go Ravens playing the Dolphins this weekend, Toby. Hey, go, go Rams. My Chiefs already took care of the <laughs> Chargers last night. So. There you go. I know, right? I right? Just keep rolling right there. But we'll see what happens. So listen, have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks again for being with us. We'll catch you next time. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.